0: has been set aside for messages that have been requested from congregational members. Excuse me. And someone has asked that we have a message on mental health. And so that's our subject for today, this afternoon, having a healthy mind. And it's a timely one. I say timely because in the national conscience we're in the midst of what's been termed a mental health crisis, and you hear a lot about that. The official public face is one of shock and concern as our society becomes more and more aware of what they call this mental crisis, mental health crisis. The powers that be, for want of a better term for government and news outlets and the influence of social media, These all determine the extent of this crisis based on statistics and their opinions and the opinions of experts. So they look out, determine if something's a mental health issue, and then they bring it forward and declare we're in a crisis. For example, it's quite fashionable right now to cite the COVID pandemic as the cause of a growing mental health crisis. Another popular cause is growing concerns over the environment and climate change. And of course, the over 500,000 people in the US who are homeless, that also feeds into this narrative. On their website, uh, Mental Health America, it states that nearly 21% or some 50 million Americans are mentally ill as we meet together today. Among the youth of the nation, they report it varies by state, from 13% in New Jersey to 21% in Oregon. And we beat Oregon by 1%, 20% of the youth in uh, Washington are mentally ill, according to this website. Just recently, Seattle University College of Education received a $3.5 million grant to establish and implement a program designed to attack the crisis among public high schoolers. And and that's here in the Puget Sound area. They're looking to attack it head on. The university reports the five-year grant will support the project called the Puget Sound Partnership to expand and diversify the Mental Health Service Professional Pipeline, or PSPEDMHS. Uh, for one of a shorter way to say all that. And assist COE school psychology and school counseling graduate students with scholarships and other financial support. The grad students will work directly with students in local school districts. They go on to say this, which I didn't include in the quote in your notes. There is a critical need to attend to the psychological, social, and mental health needs in schools, especially in the wake of a global pandemic and persistent racial inequities in education and in school personnel, says the College of Education Dean Cynthia Dillard. The funding will also create a diverse pipeline of incoming graduate students from Highline College, recognized for its diverse student body, to meet the shortage of providers, while ensuring those mental health professionals match the demographics of the students they serve. Now, all of that, I just chose that as as an example, all of that represents well, I believe, the public face of this issue today. But if one pulls back from the official line on the matter and takes a biblical view of the subject, a much different scenario uh, comes To light, so let's dive in and begin with a truth that the world doesn't believe and certainly doesn't want to hear. And it's a simple truth: there is no more certain, or efficient, or effective way of creating a mental health crisis than keeping a society separated from God and His Word, or taking one that is a Christian culture and severing it and its people from the Lord and his truth. If you wish to create a mental health crisis, that is the quickest and and the easiest way to do it. Just separate people from God and his word and his truth, and especially if they have been a culture that has that background. The general mental health of any society is, is a matter, beloved, of what we call God's common grace. And this is the grace that God shows to all men, regardless of their relationship to him. It's based on his mercy and his love. And it serves really as a governor over mankind. And by a governor, I mean something that controls mankind. It keeps men and women from slipping into that natural state, which will, if unchecked, eventually result in a condition like that that we find prior to the flood when the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually it's common grace that keeps society from slipping back into that sort of condition and it's God's love and grace that that keep us from, from ending up there as a people in the end, God says in Genesis six eleven, the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. So to prevent this natural deterioration, the Lord has mercifully kept it in check by means of what we call common grace. And this common grace is epitomized in the words of Jesus and on the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44, Jesus says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You might recognize those words are the same that we just read a moment ago from Romans 12. I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So what he's saying is that this common grace causes it for the sun to rise. And so the godless farmer, his crops grow just like the godly farmer's crops grow because God graciously shows this common grace to him. Now, in more specific terms, when it comes to any culture or people, the Lord declares this. And this is Daniel chapter 2, verse 21 Daniel says, He that is the Lord changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have an understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. So he has knowledge of all of this and he gives to men wisdom. And he makes them, them wise by his common grace. Now, by his specific grace, of course, to individuals. He gives us wisdom as his people, but he also gives wisdom in a general sense so that men can apply it in different ways out of his common grace. In Proverbs 2 and verse 6, we read, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Now, just as common grace can bless any people, with wisdom and what we might call a healthy common sense, his withdrawal of that grace produces the opposite effect. If he takes away that common grace or the influence of that common grace or the intensity of it, you will almost immediately see a deterioration in that society. And people will begin doing things that make no sense. They will start coursing towards that Spirit that we see in the world before the flood where the intentions of the hearts of men are evil. And that course will begin as God lifts that common grace away. Now, he still shows specific grace to his elect, and he continues to give us wisdom and continues to show to his people what is right and good and true. But when he withdraws that from a society in general, that society begins to deteriorate. Isaiah 29. This is the book of Isaiah, chapter 29, and verse 13. And here we read, And the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men, therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people, and the wonders in what you might think. With wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. So those who were once wise, those who were in positions of leadership, who had discernment and understanding, they lose all that. And they begin to be foolish and act foolishly and desperately and, and immorally. Because that common grace is withdrawn. Now, this is talking about his own people and the fact that they drew near to him, but their hearts were far from him. But it's an example of what happens when he withdraws his grace in a common sense. In Jeremiah 8, 9, we read, The wise men shall be put to shame. They shall be dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom is in them? So having rejected the the law of the Lord and the word of God, the Lord takes all wisdom from them, and they begin to act foolishly. And consequently, one of the signs of God's common grace being lifted from any culture or any society is an increase in mental health issues because men are being left to themselves. Now, what I'm about to state next is even more despised and more rejected than our initial point. Because the truth is, according to the word of God, all men and women are mentally ill. Now, that's not something anybody wants to hear. But the crisis doesn't arise because of pandemics or other fear-mongering issues, those things only tend to make manifest the lurking problem of man's mental illness. Since the fall of man, when Adam, who was made after God's own image, and our confession of faith says, in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, when he sinned, all his children by natural generation, have had this guilt of his imputed to them, and the same death in sin and corrupted nature conveyed to all their posterity. So, because of Adam's fall, the result was a sort of mental illness in all. In Romans 5.12, Paul says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So then, by this sin, that is, all men and women fell from their original righteousness and communion with God, and so they became dead in sin. And wholly defiled in all their faculties, including their ability to think clearly and justly and rightly, all their faculties and parts of soul and body, our confession says. It's this problem that is the reason why the book of Proverbs warns in Proverbs 28 26, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. But he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Now, the illness of the mind which sin brought on us is evidenced by the practice of sin itself. Uh, Sin isn't just contrary to God's law and inconvenient. It is, by its very nature, destructive, ruinous, and murderous. Is it really insanity? This is sin really insanity? Well, think about it for a moment. Was Adam showing a mental soundness when he sewed fig leaves together and hid in the bush so God couldn't see him? Does that sound like mental soundness to you? And the Lord even kind of approaches it that way. They say, Adam, where are you? And he's hiding in the bushes dressed like a bush and thinks that the god who made him and all those things doesn't know where he is and doesn't know what he's up to that's what he's come to so you can see already there's a kind of insanity involved there did cain really think that he could hide the murder of his brother from god or that any good was going to come out of that what good did he think was going to come Oh, if I murder my brother, God will accept my sacrifice that he rejected because it's contrary to his law? Did he really really make that mental process and think that through and say, oh yeah, the way to get God to accept me is to kill my brother. That'll do it. Then, Then he'll accept me. No. It shows the insanity of it. And we can follow that trend right down to the present hour. When sinful policies and practices are being adopted in the vain hope that some good's going to follow. We're going to do this. We know it's contrary to God's word. We know it's not right. We know those Christians don't like it. But we're going to do it anyway, and we're going to keep doing it. We're going to force everybody to do it. And in the end, we're all going to be happier. That's the the thinking. The powers that be keep telling us that the further away we move from God and his word the better we will be mentally as a society interesting isn't it that they say that and then they on the other hand say but we're in a mental health crisis and what's their solution for solving that mental health crisis that they've created by moving us further away from god move further away from god we're just not far enough away we haven't rejected his word enough we haven't punish the people who follow him properly we haven't re-educated them sufficiently and if we can just do all that then things will get better it's insane to think that way to have a solution after you can see in front of your eyes what's happening to do more of what you're doing that's proving to be ruinous is insanity now This expectation exists because God's word is ignored. That's why they expect this to be a solution. In Romans chapter 1, verse 28, and you're all familiar with this, I know. We read in verse 28, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, since mankind did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. To their mind. The mind as it was. Corrupted by sin. Gave them up to their mental illness. To do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Verse 29 says. Evil. Covetousness. Malice. They are full of envy. Murder. Strife. Deceit. Maliciousness. They are gossips. slanderers." Haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Now, here's an interesting thing. Without belaboring this point, if you go to the Mayo Clinic website and you ask, What are the symptoms of mental illness? you'll find about half of the things I just read from Romans one twenty nine in that list. So here's the man at the saying, these are the signs of mental illness. And where does Paul say this mental illness comes from? From rejecting God. So there's an acknowledgment of the problem, but not of the source. Now, obviously, in the little time we have for this afternoon's sermon, I can't possibly address all the nuances of this subject. Some mental illnesses are directly related to sin. Others are the result of sin's ruinous influence upon the hearts and the minds of individuals. And there are those who do suffer from mental illness because of uh, things going on in their minds. It's a result of illness and disease. But the Bible makes it plain that some of it relates to demonic influence, some of it to sinful practice, but all of it comes back in one way or another to the fall and the sin problem. So that brings us to the question, how does one get and maintain a healthy mind? How do we do that? And first, by acknowledging that it is a gift from God and the result of a living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as our prophet, priest, and king. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ and his redeeming work on the cross of Calvary and we acknowledge him to be our prophet, the one who tells us the truth, our priest, the one who makes intercession for us, and our king, the one who directs our lives, then our minds are moved in an orderly, healthy, mental way. Not mental way, but an orderly way, that's what I mean to say. So first is just acknowledging that, that mental health is a gift from God, and we need to go to him for it. And that brings us to the second point. It's maintained by a healthy prayer life and a concerted effort to be as Romans 12 says here, not conform to this world, but being transformed by the renewal of your mind. Testing so that you may be able to discern what is the will of God, what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect. Let's just talk briefly about conformity here to the world. The idea of the conformity of the mind or the heart and life Uh, to the sentiments and the morality of the world is really easily pictured. Uh, One of the ways that the ancient rulers made sure that everyone knew who came to power was by changing the coinage. That's how you made sure everybody knew you were the new emperor or the new king. You changed the coinage. And what you did was you took new coins and old coins and you stamped your picture on them. And then you lift it up, and now this coin shows that you're the one who's ruling. And you can kind of imagine it this way. Just think if every time we changed presidents, all our quarters were called in, and the new president's face was stamped on. it. And that kind of give you an idea of what it was like. So you'd have Clinton quarters, and you'd have Bush quarters, and you'd have Trump quarters, and now biden quarters but every coin would have to be conformed to the image and in ancient times the name and motto of the ruler now the world is always changing the face of its coinage by that i mean what it values and what it considers to be new light or the new right way of thinking or doing all according to the fickle trends of the human heart and mind, and trying to keep up with that all by itself could produce a kind of mental illness. Um, you know you go out and you you buy something it 's the new state of the art first uh, edition of it, and six months later somebody else is publishing another one that 's better and newer and works better than yours does and you and how can I keep up with that? How can I? What do I have to do to get? The, I have to have the newest. I have to have what changes. I've Got to change my tie because they, they don't wear ties like this anymore. The way I tie my tie, even now they're doing it in a different way. So now I got to turn my learn to tie my tie another. Keep trying to keep up with all that can create mental illness. Paul says, "Don't fall into the habit of being conformed to the world's fashion, to changing who you are every time the world changes." They're conforming to what the world says. Now this is what you need to be. Oh, we used to accept that. You used to have to eat oat bran all the time. But no, no, not anymore. Now we don't do that anymore. We have another thing you have to do now. And it keeps changing and changing as we go along. Um, Don't let it be the stamp of the world that you bear, he says. Don't let it be the image you hold in your thinking and your speech and your actions. Instead... The Bible's prescription for a healthy mind is be transformed in your mind. And Isaiah twenty six three gives this beautiful prescription. You, the Lord, keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. But more specifically, we have this instruction from Romans 12. Rather than being conformed, be transformed in who and what you are by Christ. Not bearing the image of whatever the new thing the world thinks or advises you should do, but being completely changed into something of yourself by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, working the word into your mind and into your heart and into your life. So that you're not just bearing a stamp, you're actually changed in who you are. I used to do odd jobs for a woman in my neighborhood. Now She was a kind and lonely soul. And one day she summoned me to her home and asked me and gave me the task of covering every cabinet and drawer in her big kitchen with vinyl contact paper that looked like wood. Because her cabinets were all metal and she wanted to now change over to the, to the wood look. And it was a tedious job. If you've ever tried to do that job, you know what I mean. You spread the vinyl out over there and there's a bubble and you have to get a pin and prick the bubble and force the air out. You get it to go flat to make it look in any way decent. And she had all these cabinets and all these drawers and lower cabinets too, and I had to do them all. And when it was all done, it looked like the cabinets were made of wood. And she was very pleased that she now had wooden cabinets instead of metal ones. But they weren't wooden cabinets. They were metal cabinets. They only looked like under the vinyl cover, like um, above the vinyl cover like wood, under it, they were the same old metal cabinets. And they conformed to an appearance, but they weren't changed. What is called for here is equivalent to the ripping out of the old and the installation of a whole new set of cabinetry that doesn't just appear to be different, but is newly fashioned, testing things according to the revelation of God, or that is by his word, to determine if they're indeed good, that is beneficial in every possible way, perfect, that is complete, Not just adequate, but complete and acceptable, that is, properly appropriate before God. This is why Paul describes the Bible as breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Calvin says, The world persuades itself that those works which it has devised are good. Paul exclaims that what is good and right must be ascertained from God's commandments. The world praises itself and takes delight in its own inventions. But Paul affirms that nothing pleases God except what he has commanded. The world, in order to find perfection, slides from the word of God into its own devices. Paul, by fixing perfection in the will of God, shows that if anyone passes over that mark... He is deluded by a false imagination. Deluded by a false imagination is mentally ill. Isn't that what we call people who are deluded by a false imagination? If I stood up here and told you I was Charles Spurgeon, wouldn't you say I was deluded by a false imagination and have me committed somewhere for treatment? You would. And that's what he what Calvin says is what Paul is saying here. But this proving has to be undertaken by a renewed mind. If one is not a new and renovated creature in Christ, sadly, his or her exposure to the world only produces the same old conclusions. That's why believers are often left scratching their heads when they see a or hear other professing Christians, or especially teachers and pastors, looking at a passage in the word and coming away not with a biblical view but one bearing the stamp of the world. And you look at that and you say how can they come to that conclusion? How can they how can they look at the word of God and say these things are good when the bible says clearly that they're evil? And I'm talking about Christians doing this or professing Christians, those who put themselves in the place of teachers. And we scratch our head. Well, this is why. It doesn't make any sense. It seems in, uh, insane because it is. This kind of testing requires prayer. Paul said to the Philippians, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It requires constant diligence. The person seeking diligently to be transformed is too busy and unlikely to be tempted to conform. And Calvin is one of the ones who makes that point. If you're really trying to be transformed in your mind by the renewal of your mind through the Spirit and the Word of God, you won't have time to be conformed to the world because you'll just be too busy taking care of your mental health. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scorners, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. It requires clear eyes. The world is not what it appears to be. Just think of it this way. The whole world is heavily photoshopped. And you're easily deceived by that. By the time most begin to settle into the conformity of the world, the image changes. But what is good, beloved? What is perfect and what is acceptable to God remains constant. And that's why it's good for our mental health. The transformed mind brings us back into sync with our created purpose as well as God's will. And it leaves us like the once agitated demoniac sitting at the feet of Jesus and in our right minds. Here we are in our right minds. Why? Because of the grace of God. The Lord says to you and me, in the person of David, speaking to his son Solomon, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as, hidden, as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of the saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. In other words, seek out this wisdom from the Lord, and you will enjoy a mental health that will keep you away from the way of the wicked. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you have done for us through Jesus Christ. More and more, every day, we discover more of what your blessings have provided for us. And Lord, we are so thankful that you have given us the, the way of a healthy mind, that you have redeemed us from sin and death, opened our eyes, given us the wisdom of your truth, and that you feed us constantly with that truth. Lord, in this time when there's a recognition of this crisis, we pray, Lord, that we may be quick to offer the antidote, that we be careful to say the answer to this is knowing God through the Lord Jesus Christ and finding the wisdom that's from above. Lord, grant us that grace, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.